youth artists missed at this time, grades 7 to 12th grade with Jordan Washington, the youth artists missed at this time. It's hard to, I'll be honest with you, it's hard to even stop that song, period. It's not just because the praise team didn't do an excellent job singing it. That's, that's a part of it, because they did an excellent job and just want to give y'all thanks for the energy in which y'all bring every Sunday. But it's because he's worthy of it. It's because he's God. It's because he loves you despite you. He loves you despite your weak. And he still wants to talk to you today. So my prayer for you today is that you're excited. Not just because the worship team leads us into worship, but you're going to get a worship in the Word of God as well. So I'm thankful for you, for y'all, but I'm most importantly thankful for our God. Can we pray together? Dearly Father, I just want to say thank you because you are worth it. We, you don't have to prove it, though. Many of us are waiting for you to prove it before we feel you're worth it. But you've already proved it. You died on the cross for our sins. Let us breathe another day despite our sin. You forgave us of all sins and then rose three days later to give us victory over sin. So there's nothing else left to prove. But every day you keep showing yourself faithful. Every day you keep showing yourself with loving kindness. And we get to wake up to a brand new day. God, I, I want to pray for everyone's hearts right now as I try to deliver a word that is difficult, complicated, nuanced. But you're not complicated. Your Holy Spirit will do the work. I just pray that everyone here will submit themselves to the Holy Spirit, but not just everyone out there right here on this stage as I submit myself to the Holy Spirit before I even preach it. God, I can't preach something without you involved in it. So take over. Remove me so all everyone can see is you and the beauty of the Word of God. God, I love you today and I thank you in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let me preface again. Last week I prefaced you when we talked about the love. This week I want to preface you as we switch gears when we talk about hard topics, justice and oppression. And before I even begin, my heart for diversity hopefully will shine through. This is not a black, a black and white issue. This is not a Democrat or Republican issue. This is a biblical issue. So don't turn your hearts off because that's what the world has made us do. That they've tried to turn us off from our responsibility. They try to turn us off because of our hatred and some of our bitterness. That we've seen mistreatment. We've seen people get taken advantage of and oppressed. And because of that, we don't even know what the Bible has to say about the issue. If you've been in a legit Bible study, shout out to y'all. We've been doing this for weeks. So this is just, yeah, give it up for y'all. Y'all are legit. But we fixing to dive deep. And I ain't going to lie to y'all, for those who are came for some inspirational word where we get to talk about relationships for another 30 minutes, you're going to be disappointed. We're going to talk about this word and we're going to go deep today. We're going to have to go into history too, so don't be alarmed and don't worry. I'll bring you up for air, but we're going to have to go a little bit deeper today. But before I even do that, I, I, I'm glad my daughter's gone. My kids are not in here. I, I couldn't think of no other illustration but them. And my mom warned me. She prepped me. She said, stop using your kids in illustrations. Well, sorry, mom. You're going to be disappointed. 
My daughter has created, let me, before I even say anything about my princess, let me say this. She is an all honors, K-level honor, all A student. Okay. Band, track, soccer, and my boys, all A students. So before I make them look like they're not smart, they are smart. <laughs> but my daughter has created this other habit. I don't know where it came from. It just, it's her. And what she does, even though I know she hears me or us, me and my wife, she has this habit of, of raising her tone and just repeating the word as if it's a question. I don't know if your kids do this. Hey, be like, go clean your room. Room? <laughs> hey, Hey, when you're done cleaning your room, I need you to go make sure that the empty room, your study room, is clean. Study room? Look, just because you raise your tone doesn't mean you don't know what I just said. Just because you raise your tone and try to put a question mark in the air, it doesn't mean that you don't know what I just said. I said what I said. <laughs> so I ain't going to lie to y'all. You can, you're going to go ahead and count me as a bad father. The first couple times, she got me. First months, she kept getting me. I was like, I, I'll repeat myself. I would say, yes, your room. Now, she would like, room? I'd be like, <laughs> just smooth walk off. <gasps> I know you heard me because you just said the last word in my sentence. And then God's looking at us saying, just because you raise your voice doesn't mean I'm going to change my answer. Just because you said, do justice, doesn't mean you don't have to do it. I said what I said. And when you find it in Zechariah chapter 7, is God is not saying something new. When I talk about justice today, he ain't saying Nothing new. And just because you're going to sit in this service talking about justice, just because you're at line saying oppression, doesn't mean he ain't said it. It just means you ain't studied it. So when we get to Zechariah, you're going to see something set up for you. This is a deep passage because you're going to think, why is it so important? And then you're going to start filtrating this message throughout our world and America and be like, maybe just we just keep saying justice in America, knowing we should be doing what's right. And again, this is message is not aimed to a race. It's aimed at the Christians and it's aimed at the church. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now, you're like, why does this matter? Timing matters to a lot of things. And so before I even dig deep, I want you to know where the people are. Because if you know where the people are, you'll also know what we're fixing to talk about. They are coming back from a diaspora. You know this already. That means on their way back from diaspora, they had a chance to rebuild the walls. Nehemiah's happened. And now you're getting to a point where Ezra has already started to preach and try to invigorate people to what? Rebuild the temple. So now they're like, hey, we need to rebuild the temple. So therefore, what do we need to do? So he's bringing it up. Hey, this is what you're going to need to do. So they automatically, when you're rebuilding something, what do you think you need? The Lord's favor. So what they're fixing to ask isn't something that's abnormal. When you're rebuilding something that is God's, you want God's favor in your rebuild. Unless you just want his favor so you can do what you want to do. 
Some of us, as we rebuild our lives from the pandemic, we just want God's favor. We don't want to do what he tells us to do. We just want to be traditional. We want to make sure our marriage is good so we do what we got to do. We come to church every Sunday hoping that God is blessed and favored, and we do our traditions. And I'm going to prove it to you today. I don't care about God doesn't care about your traditions if your motivations and intentions are off. So trust me, we're going to get there. It gets deeper. This is two to three years before they rededicate the temple, and they're asking permission to stop something. Oh, this is important. Because he sent, they send two messengers. And these two messengers are nobody important to the text, so I'm not going to spend too much time. But the messengers have this, has sent Sharazar and Rebelenelech and their men to seek the favor of the Lord. Now, exegetically, let's just break down what seeking favor means because many of us want the favor of the Lord. When people call the pastor, they say, hey, can you pray? I need the favor of the Lord. When you want your promotion, you say, I want God's favor on this. When you go to your home or you go to your job, you are seeking God's what? Favor because you know his favor or his face shined upon you means that nobody can stop you from what God wants. This is good because right now you should be motivated to listen, even though that may be a little selfish, because everybody in this room should be seeking God's favor because when his face turns away, that's a totally different story. So perk up your ears, ladies and gentlemen, perk up your ears, church, because some of us haven't had God's favor in a long time. And we keep saying, God, where are you? He's like, you ain't doing what I told you to do. Hmm. Oh, just wait. The word seeking favor means to soften the face of. Y'all know what that is. When I turn from Natalia because she keeps repeating the same mistake, it is me saying, "Mm, you ain't getting that favor. But when I turn back and kiss her on her cheek, it is a softened approach. She's getting the favor because she went to go clean her room. Some of us need to clean our room and stop sitting there in the hallway repeating yourself about what you should do. Go do what you know to do. Walk in your house and love your wife, love your husband. That's what you're supposed to do. So when you start doing what you're supposed to do, finish the job, come back, and guess what God's going to be looking at you like, good job, baby. Here's my favor again. But stop sitting in the hallway talking about, God, I don't know if I could do all that. And then be like, well, God, I can't get this promotion. That's on you. You're still in the hallway. Here it goes. It gets better. And they started to ask, hey, can we, speaking of the priests who belong to the house of the Lord of hosts and to the prophets saying, shall I weep in the fifth month and abstain as I have done these many years? All these timing matter. I said it's two years before the temple is rededicated, but they're 70 years removed from Babylon. That means, guess who took them over? Persia came and took over Babylon to free them from captivity after 70 years. Look at the book of Daniel. Look at the book of Isaiah. So all of these things matter because timing matters. So that they're, what they're asking isn't something crazy, nor, watch these words, did God even ask them to do it? Oh, this is going to get better. They're saying, should we continue to fast? And remember, watch these words, and commemorate and weep over the fact that we were locked into captivity. Should we continue to weep over the sin that you have already forgiven us for? Should we continue to mourn over these things? And then Zechariah starts to button up his collar, and he says, the word of the Lord came. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Before we even dive deep, I'm going to take a sidestep you real quick. If I ever say anything, if Pastor Cannings ever says anything outside of the word of the Lord, run. You don't want that word. 
And no offense, when we get into a popularity preaching contest, we're going to start saying some things that get your attention, but not God's. If we get into what is now the new motto, how many Instagram followers do we have? How popular of a preacher can I sustain? How full is the service? Uh, you will start saying things because guess what? The last time I checked, my God sometimes is not popular. The last time I checked, the word of the Lord doesn't always meet your feelings. Therefore, we won't always attract everyone to a feeling-based sermon. This is my sidestep. So you, what you need to check and what you need Bereans need to do in the sanctuary, including myself, is you need to check every word to make sure it came from the word of the Lord. Zechariah ain't saying nothing new, y'all. He only saying what's coming. Lord willing, when, you, when I step up to preach after reading 50 pages worth of notes, you're praying that I did my research so I only speak on behalf of the Lord. You don't want something else. Because if I start giving you Pierreisms, run. If I start giving you advice, go fast. Empty the pews or at least come talk to me. Say, hey, Pierre, where'd you find that? And since we're here, let me at least say this. My notes are online. Read them. Because I'm fixing to say a whole bunch of cross-references. You were like, Pierre, you didn't turn to this passage, this passage, and this passage. I want you to turn. I turned. Well, because of our American society, I only have 40 minutes. <laughs> That's on you. Somebody said, hallelujah, stop. <laughs> then, she, then he says, say to all the people, the land and the priests, watch these words. When you fasted, fasted, like I told you, just, just means that they, when you mourned or abstained from food or things, when you did it for these 70 years of commemorating what happened, watch what he says next. Verse four, verse five. In the fifth and the seventh month, these 70 years, was it actually for me? Oh, when you came to church, was it actually for me? Or you just want to feel good about your week? When you read your Bible on Monday, was that for me? Or that was just because you want to keep Satan away. Read one verse a day to keep Satan away. When you prayed, was that just to get what you wanted? Was, so what is God challenging already? Your intentions. You ever read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and it starts talking about the word recompense? Recompense means reward, eternal reward. That means he's going to sit there and say, when you did these good deeds, I wish I can get theological with you, and I will in a second. If when you did, when you came to church, was it for me? Because if it was for me, there's your reward. And your reward may not be on earth. I may reward you for your faithfulness in heaven. Stop waiting for your temporal reward. Some of us have stopped doing God's work because we're only waiting on God to do something on earth. And God's like, what has happened to eternal? Eternal should matter longer and more, but we often only do things for a temporal reward. We want the raise and we want to get up and pay and we want to become the boss. Then we're like, oh, praise the Lord. And God's like, your raise is in heaven. Your inheritance is there, and I will recompense you because of your good deeds. Recompense does not mean he's going to judge you for your sin. Your sin has been forgiven. You can look at that verse and look it up yourself. So when you get to heaven, he's not judging your sin. Your sin's already been taken from the east to the west. When you get to heaven, he's looking at the works you did on earth, and then he's looking at your intentions for doing them. So when we get here, it's nothing new. He's saying, hey, what was your intentions for that 70-year fast that y'all instituted? Secondly, let's talk about the second issue. Some of us are legalistic with our Christianity, ain't we? 
we commemorate things and God's looking at you like, I'm saying it's wrong. I'm hoping you do remember what put you in captivity for 70 years, but I didn't make you fast those, this time of the month. That was on you. But isn't it funny that churches create legalistic things and then make it like it's law? I'm going to challenge you real quick. You know, that even though I truly believe in the fasting we do at the beginning of the year, it's a great reset, great, memor- memoriza- or great memorization and great practice and great discipline. Fasting is biblical. If I were to walk up one Sunday, a pastor did because he's, you know, the man. And he walks up here and says, hey, we're not fasting this year. I wonder how many would be like, oh. Did he change the dates? Is he still the same pastor he was a year ago? Is he, he must be a sinner. Pastor, the word of God never said if you don't do it at the first of the year, you're going to hell. But guess what? Because churches have repeated patterns of stuff and made it somewhat traditional, we now make it law. So now what I'm fixing to do is remove some of the things that you have made law in your life that God is trying to free you from. Because some of the things we do out of tradition ain't necessarily we have to do them. You created something, yeah, okay, give you a situation. You created something in your life to maybe free you from some other things in your life. Maybe you said, you know what, I'm a fast from dating for a year. I don't know, it's up to you. But then all of a sudden, you start to preach to other people. If you ain't fasting for a year, girl, after your breakup, you're not going to recover and heal well. You made that up. That was for you. Don't ruin my happiness. He's six foot three. You're like, you still fasting? And you're like, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Missing your blessings. <laughs> you watching him join the church? You're like, ooh, he joined too? He is Hey, look, and I wouldn't stop the other girl from fasting either. That's no competition. At that point, be like, hey, enjoy your fast. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. All right. When you eat and drink, do you not eat for yourselves? Do you not drink for yourselves? Oh, it gets worse. Let me say better. Are these, watch these words, not the words which were proclaimed by the former prophets? Hear me, hear me, hear me. Remember I told you, I already been told you this? I'm not going to, my brother just walked in here, so I didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) But he, okay, no, I'm going to leave him out, but you're going to know what's about him. How many of y'all were the kid that your parents reconsidered their answer because you was the kid that they, they kind of was like, all right, if he asked. So you would send the, the other kid? How many of y'all sent your brother because you knew they wouldn't listen to you? That was me. Paul be like, hey, man, go, go ask mom and dad if we can go out real quick. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey, go ask if we can have some ice cream. Till I'm bitter. On my birthday, with the F, this man was like, hey, man, ask mom and dad if they can, we can, the kids can stay a little bit longer, maybe like three hours, we can stay up here in Galveston together. You ask. <laughs> he always trying to get me to do the favor of the Lord, and my parents be looking at me, and then guess what? I get ridiculed when I get there. Guess what they're going to say? I already told y'all. <laughs> Pick up the kids at once. 
then now what do I got to do? <laughs> Paul, we got to pick up the kids at one. Mom and dad said so. <laughs> you can send all the messengers you want to God. The answer's still the same. You can send up five more prayers. The answer's still the same. Some of y'all praying about stuff that God already answers what I'm saying. You can send your friend. You can say the prayer of the righteous availeth much. But if the righteous is what God says, then what are you praying for? Go do it. Because watch what happens next. He said, I already been told you. And I told you all the way back in Isaiah chapter 1. Now go read this. We're going to read this one. Because watch what happens in Isaiah before. Oh, y'all going to like it. Don't tell me this ain't repetition. Don't you hate when you have to repeat yourself to your kids? Oh, that's why I use my kids for this sermon. Why? Because you got to repeat yourself. Watch what happens right here. Let's start in verse 10 real quick. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of God, you people of Gomorrah. I don't think that's a compliment. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? Why are you offering sacrifices? I have had enough, watch these words, of burnt offerings of rams. I have enough of those offerings you keep trying to get and make peace with me. That's enough. And watch what happens in verse 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Your traditions ain't got nothing on your obedience. You can keep bringing them. And you know who else repeats this? Micah. Because Micah chapter 6 goes off and says what? Oh, should we bring you more? He even says, can we bring our firstborn kids to you? Which was a sin. And God was like, no, do justice. So how many times I got to repeat this? That's what I'm saying is how many times got to look in your life and say, do what I said. Stop sending new messengers. I already told you back in Isaiah what you're supposed to do. I'm telling you right now in Zechariah what you're fixing to go do. Nothing has changed. You could try to change your tactics. You could try to change your techniques. You could even try to change your prayer life. You can pray longer. You can repeat his name more. You can even change how you repeat his name. I'm still going to give you the same answer. You want to know what the answer is? You know why this is a beautiful sermon for Black History Month? I ain't even got that deep yet, but we fixing to dive dispense true, what is it? Justice. You need to be the avenue nation of true justice. That means you, people who believe in God of justice, need to reciprocate who I am to the people. I'm going to get there in a second. Dispensing means that I have the ability to give it out. Y'all ever went to a machine? It dispenses your Coke. But before it dispenses your Coke, you have to push in. Back in the day, for those young, you don't know about this. Remember what we had to do? You had to go to your vending machine at school, and you had to look up the number. Then you had to match the number to this ugly-looking keyboard was full of like, diseases, and you had to go because everybody sneezed on it. And you were like, achoo, F1. Yeah, that's what, exactly what happened. <laughs> See, my age, people, we got good immune systems. COVID ain't got nothing on us. I'm just joking. Watch me die next week. Like, I thought he said it had nothing. <laughs> that was not a word of the Lord. And you go to the machine and you say F13 so you can get your butterfingers. And then what did you have to watch it do? 
And everybody, well, if you was hungry, you was excited. You either had the rolling one, y'all know it like. And then you hate it because Butterfingers were fragile. If it hit that thing, that thing cracked. Now you got a broke Butterfingers? Y'all don't think to put a cushion on the bottom? I just spent a good dollar twenty-five. Then they got fancy, right? Now they can put it on a conveyor belt. I'm getting off topic. But when somebody comes up to Christians for justice, they should be able to press F-13. They should be able to press the church, and the church has to be able to say, okay, I know how to dispense that justice. So when we look at these issues in life and it's America, we keep looking at the government saying, who's going to do it best, Republicans or Democrats, CNN or Fox News? Just stop. That ain't their job. They can never dispense what they don't know. How do we expect a world full of sin to dispense only what God is? We over here waiting on Fox News to get the story right, waiting on CNN to get the story right, who we going to vote for, and please go vote. I'm not saying that. Expense your right. But I'm saying that at the end of the day, no matter who you voted for, that's your job. Stop passing the buck. They pressing F-13, and the reason why we don't see justice is because the church ain't doing their job. But then you have to be wondering a question, what is justice, right? Because we got to define it our way. We can't let other people define it for us. Because the word come before, it says the word true. Am I wrong? He says this, dispense true justice. The word true means what? Trustworthy. But how is it trustworthy? It has to go to a source that is trustworthy and perfect. Who's trustworthy and perfect? God. That means the only justice that you dispense has to come from God. You can't get your own justice, make it up, and then talk about, I'm going to go to dispense that. That's the wrong button. You wanted, they wanted the Butterfingers. You over here getting them Twix. That's the wrong stuff you handing out. And we letting the world dictate what is true. You know what else means the word true means? It means it's reliable. Whew. But the problem with Christians is when you make up your own truth, you are unreliable to give it out. The only person that can be reliable is God. So that means when you dispense what God says, you'll never fail. But if you dispense what you think, oh, that's why we look stupid. Christians look foolish, don't we? One day we walk, talk, we sitting there marching for mask and junk, and the next day we talk about that's injustices and my mask. Stop. The last time I checked, God ain't worried about whether you wear a mask in the Walmart or not. But guess what? When you make up your own justice, you start thinking masks are crucial. That's a paper over your mouth. The only thing that should be over your mouth is when you start saying foolish stuff like that. What you should be worried about is what does God say about justice because he's the only reliable source you have. And I'm not knocking nobody. If you really sad about your mess, sorry. But what you should be worried about is when people are walking over getting abused and misused, you can't open businesses, loan practices are off. What you should be worried about was somebody can't get out of jail even though they did because they didn't have right representation. They keep throwing them city lawyers. What you should be worried about is that the bail bond system is jacked and we all know it's jacked. So now we have to sit in jail and never get our time served. So what you should be worried about is true justice. Stuff that happens at the gates that's crooked, bribes that are taken under a table. And if you have a position of power, you should be using your power to dispense reliable justice. But your behind's worried about your promotion. So you ain't saying nothing. You just keep typing emails because it's safe. And then all of a sudden, we all get the bravery to, to march down in downtown. And I'm like, that's great. Keep marching. Bring attention. But don't bring attention without pressing the button so something comes out the machine. 
Some of us are so cool with pressing buttons, but then walking away from the machine, and ain't nobody eating. I'm cool with the march. Let's march, but let's do something after we march. See, y'all don't, do y'all know your history? Do you know who Martin Luther King used the most? The church. Why? Because that is a place where mo- mobilization happens. So when I preach this message, everybody should what? Walk up saying, I know what justice is. And then we mobilize because we have one source for justice. So if you see somebody that is getting beaten, if you see somebody who's getting whipped while they're trying to cross over, no matter how you feel about them crossing over, if you see them getting whipped and tied and bullhorned and all these other stuff, you should be like, that ain't justice. But don't just talk to your TV. That don't get nobody done right. You fussing at Fox News and CNN ain't never changed the thing. You just sound old. Because you know old people fuss at their TVs. That's so annoying. <laughs> Should have heard my dad during the Super Bowl. I told him stop running the ball. <laughs> well, yes, dad, they shouldn't run the ball. Your two years of football coaching really got him really worried up. Justice. Let me break this down because everybody's scared of the word social. You know, every commentary I read said the word that he wasn't watching. I'm going to define social for you. This is going to be a little teaching moment. Don't let people scare you away from what the Bible says. He wasn't talking about court justice right here. There's a difference between what happens at the gate, Micah chapter 6, and then what happens in the social community. He was talking about the community. So the word social just means what? community justice. So when somebody says, don't say the word social, you're going to scare some people off. But if you look at the word and you read Joe's stuff, it will realize that he was worried about the community. Remember I told you all this stuff would come back into play? Because guess what happened to them when they were in Babylon? They didn't have what? Community or unity. So you would think the moment they got out of Babylon, what would they want? Community and unity. But what happens in the book of Nehemiah? They start to oppress their own brother. I said this a young adults, and I'll be very careful how I say it now. I'm not really tripping. But if you've seen experienced and seen oppression and you've seen injustice, shouldn't we be the ones fighting the hardest? Because you've seen it. So when you see it happen to somebody else, no matter their race and the color of their skin and ethnicity, shouldn't you be the most active? Because we know what it feels like for 400 years. Now you're like, Pierre, how can we got to bear the brunt of that? No, I'm just saying activate. Do something, not because you're black, because you're black and you're Christian. But be careful not to make your black more than your Christian. Because if you make your black more than you Christian, then you're not going to help a Caucasian person that needs help. Because now you made your race larger than your Christianity. However, I'm not going to take away God's creativity. This is what I love. God made you in his image. But that doesn't just mean he made you in his creative image out of the color of your skin. That means you're all supposed to carry out his character. And a part of his character is justice. Let me define it and let me move. It means a ruling, a decision. It also can mean if you want to get deep enough, it means a social harmony and respect and, and judgment throughout society. That means everybody gets the same judgment because it's what again? True. What should anger you is when somebody walks into court and the same crime gets two different penalties. Because that's not what? True. And that's not justice. 
So what you should fight for is even if the person is guilty or innocent, because we know God forgives sins, what should you be asking for? Can we get the same punishment across the board, please? Can we get the same representation whether you have money or you don't? Yeah, that's what you should be worried about. No matter of the color of their skin. I'm going to put something on it. He was worried about the collective. Now, this is the problem with Christianity. Christianity has become so individualistic where you don't even have to go to church, supposedly, to get Christianity. Because nobody's worried about community anymore. It is an individualistic approach to, to God. I can get to God. You've heard this a lot. How I get to God. You get to God how you get to God. It's an individualistic, self-serving Christianity. When God, when he created the body of Christ, it was supposed to be a body of Christ. But if the hand keeps staying home and doesn't pursue justice, then we're handless while we pursue it. So what he's asking is that will the whole body collectively unified pursue justice? That means when we're all, watch these words, the reason we always wonder, why are we, why are we so divided on all these issues? Because people ain't reading what true is. Because if everybody knew what true is and didn't let people decide through their bias and blind spots what true was, then the whole church will be unified. I'm not trying to make this personal, but watch what I'm fixing to say. Acts 2 Houston, the thing that some of y'all went to last year, we're going to do it again on June 4th through June 5th. That's your pub. But watch what happens. We're sitting at a table as a board, and we're trying to figure out, watch this, which cause won't cause division in the church. Because y'all know on Saturday, we go on to a service project. On Sunday, we worship together. But there's certain causes that may make people not participate because they don't like the trueness of it. So guess what you pick? You pick safe causes that everybody can agree on. Guess what our cause is this year? Human trafficking. Nobody can argue against human trafficking. Correct? But then if you read your Bible, you'll realize there's so much more to this definition. Can I just get theological with you real quick? God doesn't just want it for the community. He wants it because that's who he is. Leviticus 19.2 says, be holy because I am Lord your God. I am holy. Amos 5.24, be let, let, let justice roll on like a river. Oh, that sounds good. Sounds like some speech. Righteousness like a never failing stream because I am that. And if you don't believe me, let's get a little more theological for you. You don't mind? You know the only reason we're saved is because God did justice. It's called Justification. Because he had to make you right. Because you were worthy of a penalty. So if he wasn't just, he wouldn't pay the penalty. But because God is just, the wrath had to be poured out on somebody. And that body was Jesus Christ. So therefore, he had to pay the penalty because he's a just God so that you can experience your innocent verdict. So now that you walk around all bold like, yeah, God made me a new creation, he sure did, but it cost something. But if you don't know the cause, you're going to walk around like you deserved it. And God's looking at you, no, I gave you justification. I gave you an opportunity. See, that's what happens when God sacrifices. You start to appreciate it. You start to do what God says because you realize that you are the experience, excuse me, you are the result of what justice really is. So how in the world could you see injustice and not want justice if you know you're the result of justice? Isn't it ironic that we don't mind taking it for ourselves, but we struggle to dispense it, even if it's people you don't like? 
Don't lie. Some of us see bumper stickers, we're like, I'm going to cut this person off. I know, no remorse. You've seen it. Some of us have our own bias and prejudice, don't we? If we're honest, we can't just talk about certain type of people and don't talk about ourselves. Some of us don't like certain things in certain people groups or who they voted for or what they represent. What happens when they need justice? Is it only for us in this sanctuary? Is it only Black History Month? Or is it every day of your life? Let's don't make this a Black History sermon, y'all. Let's make it the Bible. All right. Jeremiah 22, verse 3 says, This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. This is not hard math. But then he tells you something else, and I have to be quick with these. But we struggle with this here. Practice kindness. You know, I love this about this word here. I feel like Pastor Kansas, I'm like, I'm going to have to make this two sermons. <laughs> kindness is not an emotion. It's a volition. Hear what I'm fixing to say? I'm going to give you the definition of kindness. Just know that if it doesn't act, it's just a feeling. And that means it's not kindness. It's just your feelings. And last time I checked about your feelings, your feelings ain't saved. Stop waiting for your feelings to catch up with your obedience. That's why some of us breaking up with friendships every day, because we can't catch up. And then we follow these preachers and say, let them go, let it, let that, let this happen. They don't belong in your vision, your journey, your path. They'll stop. And then guess what? We follow the preachers that match our emotion, because that's all we want to hear. But I'm not fitting to match your emotion. Kindness says this. It is sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness. Watch these words. Gentleness, loving affection. It is not emotional. It is volitional. So when you go home and somebody get on your nerves, you don't have a choice whether you're going to be kind. And your disobedience, that's on you, man. Stop blaming it on your wife, your husband, your family, your sister, and your cousins. Kindness is kindness. Even at your job, when you walk past the same cubicle of the same lady who keeps snitching, or the same man who keeps telling on you, you still have to be kind. And you know the only way, watch these words, that you can do justice is if you have this thing called kindness. Because kindness makes you friendly even if you disagree. You know what America struggles with? Disagreeing and still loving. I could disagree with you all day, but I hope we can still play basketball afterwards. Trust me, I experienced it. There was this girl named Denise. I don't know. She might be here. I'm not going to say her no names. She's there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. She was making her shots. That's cool. But then she started to talk. No, I hear you, Dab. You know what the story is. I wasn't necessarily guarding her, but she shot it and she made it. So she decided to look me in my eyes. And she said, in your face, Pastor. <laughs> I didn't like the fact that she put my title at the back end of that. <laughs> I don't even go by my title. People call me Pierre. So I said, all right. So then all of a sudden, true justice had to take place. <laughs> We're both running for the ball. I see her running for the ball. I look down, recognize she has running shoes on. Bad mistake. 
The ball's rolling. I'm looking. I bait her. I let the ball roll. Keep baiting her. She keeps running. Full speed. That's her fault. For she's from the south side of Chicago, so she got that hustle in her. <laughs> I look at that ball. I look at her. I take this hand. I snatch that ball. But I didn't just snatch it. I made sure I, look, I made it look pretty on purpose. I said, yeah. <laughs> I look back to make sure she felt the ramifications of her decision. <laughs> Denise was still running. Empty-handed. I said, Denise, that's justice. But because I'm kind, I'm not going to put it in my sermon. My fault. It's your fault. The next word is compassion. Compassion is different, right? Compassion is something we all want, but we don't get. Compassion. It's the only way justice happens because compassion literally means to show friendliness and watch these words, watch these words, mercy. You know, 400 years, there was a thing called slavery. And we're not going to talk about Jim Crow and everything else, right? Nobody wants to talk about the ugliness of that. You know, as mercy is giving something to somebody they don't deserve. So instead of looking at people without compassion because you know your history, God is saying, know your history and still give compassion. How do I prove that? Because Jesus came down to earth, knew your history, and knew what he was dying for and still died. So therefore, and he says, he looked upon them with what? Compassion. The only way they received their miracle was because they were compassionate. Therefore, if you remove your compassion, people won't receive God's miracle of what mercy really looks like. So therefore, we have a lot of people walking around America not feeling compassion from the place where it's supposed to exist because the whole church is supposed to exude this thing called mercy. But if they keep walking in the church feeling judged by the color of their skin, then that means they're never going to feel what they need to feel. Both churches experience that. The first thing that many of us do when people walk in is we try to figure it out. We go based on physical appearance, don't we? What they're wearing, what the color of their skin, and how they approach, them, how they approach themselves. We call it, and we make the excuse of what? First impressions. First impressions aren't in the Bible. We made it up on America to make quick decisions and make judgment calls about people. But the problem, even if you, you, you're struggling not to do first impressions, is at least follow up your first impression with compassion. I'm cool. I'm not, I'm not cool, but I understand if you're like, bro, this is how I was raised, you know, make good decisions based on how people present themselves. I get it. You're, you're in a business world. That may make sense. But when you're done with that five minute conversation with yourself, you better exude kindness and compassion because it can't happen without either one of those. Because that's the same reason why people can't get justice today. Because the first thing that happens with the news is when we find out that somebody was held down with a knee, we start looking up their criminal history so we can make excuses for our lack of compassion. Am I wrong? The first thing that we try to figure out when somebody hurts us is how much history they really have so I can, I can justify my lack of compassion. When you get to your job, you try to justify your lack of compassion because you're like, ooh, oh, yeah, I heard about her. History, no compassion. But the last time I checked, if my guy looks at you and says, I heard about you, no compassion for you either. Oh, wouldn't that sting? So stop treating people how you don't want to be treated. And stop making excuses because of people got a history. Last time I checked, I got a long history. Stuff that people don't even know, but my God does. And then he looks at me and says, go be faithful and serve. Makes you serve with a totally different compassion. You know, Pierre Kennedy used to be the most judgmental person I know. I used to judge people quick. 
and then make excuses for. My brother called me out on that a long time ago. And that's why I love him today, because he was the first person that softened my heart. He said, Pierre, I didn't tell you stuff because you were judgmental. And he was dead square right. I got to get a little bit done. He uses the word brother because we're highly responsible for how we treat each other. Hear me. So if you can't treat people in this building and the people who are saved with compassion and kindness and justice, then how are you going to expect the world to look at us to do it? You're first responsible for how you treat each other. It's kind of like going to your house and you can't even treat your own sister good. I don't expect you to treat your coworker good. If you can't treat blood good, you ain't going to treat somebody that ain't blood good. So therefore, if the blood of Jesus is covering all of us and we're brother and sister, if you can't treat blood good here, you ain't going to treat nobody else outside of it good. Do not oppress. This one requires my definition. Oppression means to exploit, to take advantage of, to push down, and to not treat with equality. It is for those who cannot defend themselves, because then he starts to list. If you don't mind, I'm just got to get to this. Widow. I'm going to list them, because then you're going to understand. Widow, orphan, stranger, or the poor. Who's a stranger? A foreigner. Uh-oh. That means the people across the border? That we look at the news and judge automatic? He's saying, but if Jesus was a stranger, because I fled my country, shouldn't we be praying for Ukraine right now? Shouldn't he be sending your goods to Ukraine right now because they're fixing to be attacked? Shouldn't we care about the people who are struggling to get over here on boats? So even if they struggle with immigration policy, doesn't mean they don't deserve a meal. Doesn't mean they don't deserve clothing. They don't deserve to get whipped at the border. I love my wife's heart. She said, she told me when we're, me and my wife have been trying to adopt for a long time, we want to take care of the what? The orphan. And she was like, baby, I would love if God provides us a child or somebody who maybe got shipped off in immigration. At least we can give them a good life here. That is justice. Because you know what the word oppressing means? It means to be the defender of those who can't defend themselves. Have you noticed that every single person I just listed can't defend themselves? That's why we picked human trafficking, because a human trafficker can't what? They don't defend themselves. They are being oppressed and devalued and unequal. So therefore, you should want to serve them, no matter what you think about them, as they walk the street. The first thing that we do when they walk the street is like, mm, she got herself into this mess. Maybe not. Maybe somebody took her, abused her, misused her, devalued her or him, and now they believe this is the only way they have value because somebody indoctrinated them that maybe if we just gave them kindness and justice and compassion they would know what Jesus really feels that their value is Hmm. just maybe but again we keep waiting for the world to do justice and I'm waiting on the church why are you waiting on sin to do righteous things it's an oxymoron Mm. this one hurts your heart do not devise evil evil in your hearts oh many of us have made up a plan haven't we many of us have made up a plan to do evil you ain't we we ain't that good y'all you knew what you was typing (laughs) 
We saw the three bubbles. <laughs> Every man look at their phone, and that three bubbles last more than a minute. We in trouble. <laughs> she typing for a minute. I'm, I'm so thank God that Monica's short-winded. Boy, she don't, you okay? I'm like, well, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to go home. You're like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just quit playing basketball. It's time to go. But if we see them three bubbles, we know what we typing. Don't act like, oh, I was just angry. Stop. You was devising what you was devising. You knew you was trying to manipulate. You knew what you was trying to remove so they would make the decision you want them to make. You devised that evil. You made a plan for it. Watch what I said. Have you noticed that there's two words? Dispense justice, but don't devise evil. They both require a what? A plan. Some of us planning. We trying to figure out how to dispense our own justice. But the last time I checked, my God said he is a God that gets revenge. That wasn't in your job description. But how many of us are wasting time trying to figure out how we can get revenge? And God's looking at you like, that ain't your job. That's on me. But the story gets worse because he tries to remind them again. This is the only way I can conclude. They made their hearts like flint. Flint just like a diamond, hard, unbreakable. They couldn't hear. But what word did he use? Their minds or their hearts? Your inner man, your inner woman. I can try to change your minds on stage, but not until your heart change do we have a true justice. I can change it all day. I can preach a hard sermon. You can go look at the notes, but you can change your mind, but you got to change your heart. Relationships don't change until people change hearts. You know how many counseling sessions where I said, hey, we're going to have to wait on a heart change. Stop begging and making and thinking that you can do your next plan to get this person to change their hearts. Stop. You're wasting breath. You're wasting time. You're wasting your next efforts. Stop. Let God do his job. Because the last time I checked, God is the king of hearts. Because if he can allow a heart to get hard, that means he also can allow a heart to get soft. I don't want to make you tired. But they refuse to listen attentively. And isn't this the church, man? We're trying to come back for our diaspora. But, you know, I don't think, hear me out, all the injustices that happened during the pandemic, those weren't mistakes. It just exposed the church's heart. It exposed that this whole time we were having a successful church, a whole bunch of great traditions, a whole bunch of sanctuaries that were full, God looked at them and said, I don't care about your fast. I don't care if you really know what justice is. And then God allowed, I'm going to use this word correctly, not did, God allowed sin to do what it does, and it created injustice. But this time it was publicized. This time it was in the news. This time her name was Breonna Taylor. This time her name was Ahmaud, his name was Ahmaud Arbery. This time it was Tamar Rice. This time we got to see it. And God allowed us to see it. It was no more stories, nobody being able to change the angle of the camera. And now we got a chance to see justice and watch what the church did. We hurried to our corners and picked a side. Scary. Because now you have to do what God said. It's hard. It doesn't matter what his background was. Well, last time I checked, if I'm begging for my life, I don't deserve to die. The last time I checked, 
you probably should check before you kick in the door and start blazing. The last time I checked, you should at least check to see what the little kid has in his hand before you shoot. The last time I checked, if I'm helping a mental patient and I tell you it's a truck, don't shoot. I'm sorry, but it's true. Do you want me to keep listing the stories for you before we realized the church was called to the carpet, but we ran from it? We darted. And then we tried to solve it the world's way by watching the news, going on Twitter, and making statements. The last time I checked, God's not worried about your next Instagram statement with a picture of the person. That's just stating what you are and where you stand. But don't just stand there, do something. Let me get off. And watch what he repeats. And he sent his Holy Spirit through the former prophet. Again, this former prophet word keep popping, don't it? This is where I got to conclude. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. And just as he called and they would not listen. Remember, Isaiah, they didn't listen. We know the story. But I scattered them, past tense. What has happened to the church right now? But it's not because our fasting techniques are off. It's not because we're not good at offering sacrifices and having great worship services and making sure that we have the best singers that did an excellent job. It's not because they're not doing their job of giving you a worship service. The church is scattering because we saw for two years what justice was supposed to look like. And now people are like, should I believe in a God who can't do justice? Should I believe in something that I can't even see in the church? Because the last time I went to church, nobody said hello. They looked at the length at my skirt. They looked at what I looked like, how many tattoos I had, and didn't say hi. But they were great at passing out communion. My cup was on time. He knew what scripture to read. They were indoctrinal. They did everything they were supposed to do. And the pastor says big words when he preaches, but nobody still talked to me. Because God wants justice. But not stuck in heaven. We keep waiting for God to intervene and he's like, I sent you. Where's God? He's right here. He's right here. He's in your hearts and he's waiting on you to show the image of God of how you treat people. But you're sitting there just stuck behind your TV, not doing nothing. And then we keep blaming God. And God's like, I asked you to do it. So do it. Go. Do something. At least try. I can't even read my Bible. Here we go. He says, thus, the land is desolate behind them. And made, they made a pleasant land desolate. My kids, they, they're amazing. I told you I'd talk about my kids. But I, my wife has a certain way of folding clothes. I know this is you like, how do you go from justice and crying to talking about folding clothes? 
I can't change my illustration. <laughs> She's detailed, yo. The first thing that happened in our marriage is I changed the way I folded clothes. Everything else was great. But my, my mom, who's over there, and they'll have to beef it out later, like a versus battle, did the triangle form. My wife did Palais Royal, where she worked for him. And I was wrong, not even preference, just wrong. So our kids are held to the same standard, and I let it happen. If I go through it, you're going to go through it. <laughs> but every time our kids fold clothes, I'm not going to lie, my, my daughter does a good job. My sons, they... they it just takes good one hard week, and them clothes are a disaster in that drawer. So my wife, all of a sudden, guess what I hear? I'm walking by, I was going to my office to pay bills last night. And I was like, oops, well, going back to my office. I, I, knew what it, I knew what it was. I knew the angle of where it came from. I knew it was about their clothes. So I was like, nah, Pierre, go be a father. I walked back in the room, and guess what I see? All day clothes on the ground. Well, one drawer, but it, they had to do it all over. And I love my kids, but I did what a father did. We're going to be, we're going to raise clean men in this house. So I told him, ain't nobody picking up after you. Your mother, not your maid. Y'all heard that before. So I dispensed discipline, wrath, godly wrath, structured discipline. I took away some things. But my kids, what happens is that after when the, when the discipline fades, they start to walk back in your room, and what do they say? The things you took away, they try to ask if they could have them back. So they come back in your room, and they say, well, Dad, can we, it's the weekend. We don't let our kids watch TV during the week, so on the weekend, it's their only time of TV and electronics. So they were like, hey, Dad, can we have our electronics back? I'm like, no. Because it's not until you change the habit of your drawer do you get back what was taken away? And God is looking at the church and saying, your drawer is a mess. And it's not until you start folding it correctly and putting things in kindness and compassion and do not practice evil and do not and dispense justice. It's not until you start stacking your clothes correctly. That's when I don't scatter you no more. But stop coming up to me talking about, God, where's my favor? And God's looking at you saying, the favor is when you do your drawer correctly. So church, it's time for us to fold some clothes. We're throwing it together on Sundays and hoping that we just do these traditions in order to walk away with favor. And God's looking at you and saying, not today. It's time for me to dispense the wrath because you're not dispensing justice. Here's the funny thing, is that we don't want God's justice on us. But we're more than willing for him to dispense it on everybody else. But today, God's word said we're going to dispense it on the church first so that we can practice it elsewhere. Let's pray.